my jacket on today, and I got short sleeves, so this is very important stuff. Are you taking notes? Okay. Yes? <laughs> oh, hallelujah. Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus, mercy and grace pour upon us today. Amen. You know, as we sing some songs, as we're worshiping, really, we should be worshiping, not just singing songs. But sometimes as we sing songs, we might actually end up in worship. But, you know, that we sing that song, When I am weak, how's that called? Now he's strong. Don't look at me like we didn't sing that song. Help me out here. What was it? When I am weak, he picks me up. And, you know, Paul talks about when I am weak, then he's strong. Now, that's something we sing about, and it sounds neat, but it's something we really don't, I mean, in the natural, we really don't aspire to. Most of us, I'll speak for myself, we don't like to be weak. We don't like to see our faults shown up. We don't like to be needy. One of the hardest things people can do is to receive or ask for help. And as we start to read the Bible, and as Jesus comes to us, it seems like he's the exact opposite of everything in this world. And that's because he is not of this world. And so we've been talking about these voices of wisdom and the voice of, for lack of, I don't want to get graphic here, but the voice of non-wisdom, foolishness, temptation, that are speaking to us. Then, well, let me just first, I got a, I got a lot of things, uh, actually I have nothing on my mind today. That's really the main problem. Uh, some days, like I said, some days you wake up and you feel good. Some days you wake up and you wish you didn't. And some days you're just hoping the Lord would come back. And, so, and sometimes your brain works real well, and sometimes that's scary. Because I think sometimes when we're feeling really good, we actually make some pretty dumb mistakes. But we feel good about them. You know, we like David. You know, he's looking out on his kingdom and says, man, everything's going good. And that's when he starts going into sin. God actually warns us about these things. He says, be careful when I bless you so much, because that's when you're going to have a problem. So I want to thank everybody for last night. It was really very overwhelming. You not only caught us by surprise, it was more than a surprise because we had no idea that we were going to be surprised at any given time. For, so it wasn't like, okay, boy, they, they finally got us. It was like, I had no, it was like, I'm watching all these people. I thought they finally had it and they're going to leave the church. They got enough. And it was kind of like the old Frankenstein movie. All we needed was torches. These people are kind of coming like that. And I go, what is going on here? And uh, so, no, I, I, like, again, it was, a, it was a bit overwhelming at first, but I, I appreciate all your care and love and all the nice things. And uh, it was very nice, very nice. So with that being overwhelmed, I began to think, you know, wouldn't it be nice? Now, again, we have, we live in a body. God's created us that way. And there's a scripture that ever since, we, when I, we started to meet in the home in Turkey, I think there's a scripture in Jeremiah, that so this will be the foundation of our church and of our teaching. And it's God's ways are not our ways. And his thoughts are not our thoughts. And that's so easy to say yes, until God starts telling you something that you don't like and that you didn't think about. And you start saying, this is the way I want you to walk. But no, I want to walk this way. And then there's this great upheaval that comes in our life. And I think we fail to recognize those upheavals 
as really God's hand working in our life. We have a funny idea, and this is why I think the Bible takes much time, particularly in the prophets, saying there is none that seek after God, there is none righteous, no, not one, there is none that is right in in seeking the ways of righteousness. But yet within us, there is a self-righteousness that gets very indignant when areas of weakness or sin or just even like with Jonah. God says to Jonah, I want you to go to Nineveh and preach. Now, he, had, he, didn't, he didn't like think, well, I wonder if that was God. He knew God had spoken to him. And he said, you know what? That's, I don't want to do that. I am not going to do that. Because basically, he's, he's going through this whole thing within himself. The book of Jonah, he's talking to himself, says, God's going to trick me. See, I know I'm going to go over to Nineveh. No one's going to like me. They're going to, you know, here they are. Going to, they're going to yell at me and spit on me. And then at the very end, I'm going to command all these people to, to repent and, or, or God's going to destroy the city. And you know what? God's going to forgive them. And I just don't want to go through that. And so Jonah gets on a boat and he goes. And now God then begins to come into Jonah's life. How does he come in? Well, again, we, we like the one in, with Elijah. But he always doesn't come as a still, small voice. Sometimes he will come in a giant storm in your life because he's trying to get something across. They finally, I mean, Jonah is kind of an interesting story. And more and more, I believe, for me anyway, there's a part of, not a real part of Jonah in me, you know, but I mean, it's like that same kind of fleshly idea that, man, I just, I guess if he's going to make me do it, I'll do it, but then... And then finally, people are going, man, what's going on? There's a boat, there's, a, there's a waves and stuff. And finally, finally Jonah says, it's God and he's after me. And what do they do? Well, they throw him overboard. Now, how many of us would, I, I was telling people, you know, if we start reading the Bible, there's very few nice stories in here. I mean, like, there's not the Cinderella story. There's not the, you know, the, the Prince Charming story. There's not the happily ever. Most of them are pretty like, wow, that's a pretty hard story. You know, when I was talking, we were talking about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And we like those stories. I think there's some powerful parts of those stories. But what we forget about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they were slaves. They were, the, the, the king had, had overtaken their country. Now, I don't know if their parents were killed, their village was destroyed. But most likely, good chance it was. But at least, at the very least, they were ripped out from their families, taken to a foreign country, made to learn a foreign language, live in a foreign culture, and they were slaves. We forget that whole part. And there they began to practice the principles of God and to know God until where that... And basically, for standing up for God and practicing God, the, the story that we come to know of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego comes to pass. They said, we will not bow down to that statue and we will not worship that. And now again, wouldn't it have been nice? Was it Nebuchadnezzar at that time, correct? Wouldn't it have been nice if Nebuchadnezzar said, boy, you guys are nice guys. I think we'll, we'll change. He doesn't do that. He gets mad and says, throw them into the fire. I'm going to... And then the glory of God is, is taking place. But I think many times we look at the... And we don't really understand that this is real life stories. And wow, I don't... You know, there's, there's stories of pe- the other slaves being taken out. There's stories of the disciples being persecuted. There's stories of... Now, there's nice stories, but most of the time they're, they're, they're entwined with this suffering and hardship and tearing and forming. And I think many times we miss that 
because we don't like that kind of stuff. We have some funny ideas of how God is. And this book here is to wash our minds to show us who the real and living God is. So again, as I was thinking about some of these things, I thought, you know, wouldn't it be nice, now now hear me out, wouldn't it be nice if I didn't know you? Now, I don't mean in the sense that I wouldn't recognize you, but wouldn't it be nice if we didn't have a relationship? Because then I could actually maybe fool some of you people thinking I'm a nice guy. You know, you'd see me here on Sunday, and I could probably hold it together. My wife dresses me pretty well. And I can get up and give you a good message, and wow, you can all go home and... But see, that's not what I read in the Scripture. As a matter of fact, I, I, I look at the exact opposite. And again, many times we, again, revert back to, because the Bible says, before we met God, we, by nature, served other gods. Now, I don't care if you were raised in the Christian home or whatever, our natural man... The natural flesh is always into idolatry and serving something else. And when we look at the Scripture again, we've got to say, okay, Lord, this is kind. Now, we can look at it just like a story and go, yes, yes, yes. But like I was saying last week, after some 38 years of God saving me and God walking with me, I'm coming to find out he's a lot stranger than I thought. And I'm saying I'm a lot more twisted than I thought. And you know what? If daily his grace does not keep me, and if daily he is not upholding me, there is nothing in me that would would serve God. There was nothing that I could say, manna. It's kind of like manna. You know, sometimes I think we, we kind of, because I guess we're, we're, we're like, um, and economy is very important and banking is important and all those kind of things. We'll get to talk on that at some point. But I think we kind of think that we can save up grace points. Or we can save up faith. And we kind of have this, like, in our minds, like our faith safe deposit box. You know, or our bank account of faith. And, you know, last week I did good and we put, you know, 2% in. And, but it's more, it's more like manna. You use up what you've got and then it's gone because what you store up. What does it say about that? It stinketh. <laughs> and <laughs> I like that scripture. It has worms in it. And sometimes what, we, what we're bragging on and what we're really proud about, someone's going, someone's been hiding some manna in your tent. And it's nothing that God's really looking at. So we can't bank on past faith. I mean, it's good to use that, but that's been used up. And so again, as I'm, I'm looking at this, I'm saying, okay, you know, wouldn't it be nice, again, in the flesh, wouldn't it just be nice, again, if we were just a nice big congregation we had something together, and we really wouldn't have to interact too much. Because then we could actually not be... How many people like to be irritated by other people? How many people like to be discipled, questioned? All these things that God says, these are good things, most of us go, no way. And again, even to the point that it's become a doctrine in our minds and in the church. And this is a very... This is, now, please hear the whole thing. Don't just clock out when I say this. You might have already clocked out. If you do, clock back in. It's me and Jesus. My relationship with Jesus is good. You know, and that sounds so intimidating, we'd have to say, well, yes, who could say anything against that? Well, God could. And I look at God and I go, well, you know what? Even from the very beginning, He wasn't into that. But we are. Now, in the beginning, God creates a perfect world, and God creates Adam. 
Now, God has a great relationship with Adam. seems that Adam instinctively knows things that we have lost. He knows how to name the animals, knows how to tend the garden, doesn't have a horticultural degree from, you know, Stanford or something like that. And he's just, God's able to speak to him. And then God looks down on this perfect world where he has a perfect relationship with Adam. And you know what God says? Now, this isn't, this isn't gospel outreach doctrine. This isn't some book that somebody else wrote that's a smart person. God looks down on this wonderful world that we would say, man, I wish that was me. Boy, could you imagine just being there? And God looks down on what he has created and says, this is not good that man should be alone. Even though when Eve shows up, there's going to be sand in his shorts. Now, I'm using that as the example we talked about that at Chapel. It's irritating. There's things that, and God's, God perf- knew perfectly well what was going to happen. And so here you have this one, oh, it's just me and Jesus. That doesn't seem to be all that God is interested in. And even when Jesus comes into the earth, he doesn't just pick one guy to have this, oh, we're just, you know, on the, on this, we're having this groovy relationship and I just want you. And even in the scripture that was said today by Nash, where two or three are gathered together in my name, there I'll be in the midst of us, in you. And most of us are saying, I don't want, you know, I don't mind one in me. But two or three, man, those guys are irritating. Those guys are always bringing me down. Those guys are having me problems. Well, maybe that's there to bring you out to weakness so that in your weakness he may be strong. But we don't like that. So we're constantly trying to find these avenues of hiding. We like to hide from God. And when Adam sinned, the first thing he does, well, first off, he knows more than God. Now, of course, none of us would ever admit that. Until the Word of God comes and says, gives us instruction, we go, no, I, I, don't, I don't see it that way. I don't, I don't believe that. I don't. And we begin to hide. And it says, Adam hid himself. Why did he hide himself? Was it because he hated God? No. Was it because now he was worshiping the devil? No. It's because he knew something that God never told him. He's, and the facts would bear it out. They were naked. Adam says, we hid ourselves because we were naked. And God says, you've been eating from the tree, haven't you? Now that's where it all starts. So we have to continually watch that Adamic nature in us that wants to always hide with a lot of protective mechanisms. And you're going to have some good facts. Until we, again, Jesus says, take my yoke upon you. See, I'm lowly and I'm humble. I'm meek in heart. We tend to be, well, as we're going to read here in, in Proverbs, we tend to be proud, arrogant, and know-it-all. Now, we might close, cloak that very well. See, sometimes when we say proud, you might think of some, you know, maybe kind of like boisterous. I don't know who are you talking about. You know, and pushy and like this and that. But sometimes proud can just, no. Some of the nice. We've learned to, see, you know, as long as you say things nicely, they seem to be okay anymore in this society. No matter what you say, as long well, you know, I'm sorry, we just really love you, but we have to take the children away. It's for their good. And somehow that's supposed to be a nice thing. It doesn't matter how nicely you say it if the intent is wrong. So I, I believe we need to come to a place to where we're hearing God and saying, oh, this is his nature. It seems, now from, my, from the human perspective, God seems to bring irritation into our life even to the point that it may 
cause a conflict in our relationship with him. Adam, Eve, and in the garden. And then even the Lord Jesus Christ, when he comes, he doesn't pick one or two to hang out with. And even when he comes to the Mount of Transfiguration, where they said, man, this is good for us to be here. Let's, let's build some booths. Let's stay here and worship. It's not what he was about. He picks 12 guys. And it seems like if you read into those 12 guys, there was some sand in the shorts. There was some irritation. I think Peter and John had some stuff going on. I think some of the guys are sons of, sons of thunder. Now, I, they probably were from New York. And you had all these different people. And politically they were different. Religiously they were somewhat different. They, and yet God brings them all together. And one actually, one actually is a thief. Now how is that going to work out? God has a plan. And you know, what he, you know what's really irritating about it and might be offensive? He didn't ask you anything about it. He didn't ask you if you were made to do this or do you like to do this. He says, I have a plan. And then in our weakness... He's made strong. But we as natural people are constantly trying to avoid weakness and relationships that God wants to build. Adam is alone with God. He says, let's build a relationship. Not only a relationship with God, but there has to be this godly doctrine, if you would, of a relationship like this that is to glorify God. Even to this day, marriage is a type of Christ and the church. Now, what we've got is a treasure in earthen vessels. And it seems good to God to allow that to take place. We have natural lives that God lives in. And I was thinking about that because how do we then, how do we offer up spiritual sacrifice? See, what is a spiritual sacrifice? And I began to look at the children of Israel. What did they sacrifice? Well, they sacrificed sheep. Now, a sheep is not a tremendously spiritual item. They offered wheat, they offered wine, they offered oil, they offered money, things like that. All the things that they did seemed to be physical. But in the sacrificing of the physical, it becomes a spiritual sacrifice. Jesus was made a body. And what did he sacrifice? He sacrificed his body, which we understand opens the covenant for God spiritually to bring salvation to an innumerable amount of people. There is no way for us to figure out how a person in one, 2,000 years ago, in one body, being crucified, his blood can speak eternally for the forgiveness of sins. I don't comprehend that. I cannot even really explain that well. I can preach the story of it. And by the Holy Spirit who bears witness to the truth, your hearts can be stirred and said, I believe that. But there's no way to, like, prove that or to say, man, I, let me explain to you how that it is so because God speaks it to be so. He calls those things that seem to be nothing as though they are. And the same thing for us now. Let's, it says he wants to form that nature in us. And there needs to be this continual crossing over or shaping in us that says, you know what? I find Eve rather irritating. Now, I don't know how... I bet, now, wasn't, I'm not blaming Eve. Adam is more culpable 
Is that the correct word? Is more culpable than Eve because he knew better. And sometimes we know better. But because we live in this world, and so it seemed right to God, even Jesus says, I'm going to put you in this world as sheep in the midst of wolves. I don't want to do that. I'd rather be the wolf in the midst of sheep. It's kind of like living in a buffet. Be easier. But see, that's a, that's a kind of a crazy analogy. And I look at the whole gospel story. That's kind of a funny story. If I was God, I wouldn't do that. I'd show him what I can do and t- teach you a lesson. And I'm saying, man, I, that just boggles my mind. The mind has very little place in the kingdom of God other than to be trained and to then, like I said, forms words and able to speak the truth. But we are not led by our mind, by our feelings, or by our emotions. Now, those things will be in us. And at times we'll feel like, oh my goodness. How, I mean, did anybody feel like running away this week? Leaving your husband, your wife, your job, leaving this earth, just wanting to cash it all in. How many people wanted to sit under a tree and eat worms and die? You know, we got, we got those feelings. Or oh, man, I think I know but those. But see, what happens is, see, I felt like having, like, I felt like David a little bit this week sometimes. So David said, oh, if I had wings like a dove, I would have flown away. I mean, the skies would be full of people if we had wings. You never, why can't we fly? Well, you, you, you wouldn't be here this morning. I mean, it just, you know, having to start a car and having to, you know, get, a, get money and stuff like, it's just not the same as like, you know, could you imagine? That's why we're not angels yet. Now, I don't know, I don't, anyway, that, angels, anyway, <laughs> I heard a teaching once. Angels really don't have wings, but I hope you remember that. So God then is working in us these things in the natural. And somehow we don't see God's hand in it naturally. We actually miss the spiritual transformation that he's willing to take place. There's things that we would say, man, I don't don't need that. Why would you need 12 disciples? And then Jesus then, most of the New Testament is dealing with this kind of funny thing called the church, which is his body. And it talks about having many members, and all these members are not the same. And sometimes there's divisions in the body. The eye sometimes thinks it wants to be the ear, and there's this problem and that problem, and these people are like this, and sometimes the poor saints here have to take money from these people, and there's all these things. And even Paul, the the apostle with other apostles, would have sometimes relationships that wouldn't work out well, and it'd be these things. And we'd say, wouldn't it be better? Wouldn't it be better if we just served God by ourselves? And we go, yeah, you know, that's good. I, I watch TBN on TV, and I'm not, you know, or I do this, or I have... But God says, no, that's not it. See, Paul says the, the, the suffering of this present age isn't worthy to be compared with the glory that's to come. There is a suffering that we are to embrace. There's a suffering that Jesus embraced. See, he had a great relationship with... How could you have a better relationship with God than Jesus? Could you have a better... If that was all that there is, he would have gone, nah, I have it, you don't. And that's really what takes place in us, spiritual pride. Well, I have a good relationship with God. Well, let me put some sand in your shorts and see how good that relationship is. Because that's where I want it to be seen. See, Jesus has a Jesus is one with the Father. He has a great relationship with God. He is God. 
And he comes to earth and seems to empty all that for a purpose that would seem to be greater than just having a good relationship with God. It's to glorify Him and to preach the gospel into all the world and fulfill His purpose here in this body. If it was, he said, if, if, if being one with God was something he could hold on to, he would have listed. He let that all go. So he's having to talk with these twelve disciples and hundreds of more that have no idea what he's talking about. It must have driven him crazy. Have you ever talked? Have you ever had to try have an intellectual conversation with like a two-year-old? It works good for about three seconds, and then they're gone. And they're, I mean, could you imagine being around that all the time? This is what Jesus endured. And it says to arm ourselves with that same spirit. If not, then we actually miss the natural sacrifice that would transform us into being spiritual creation. Are you following that? It's kind of an abstract concept. But somehow i got to say, okay, this is what God wants to do. All throughout, like I said, there's these funny stories. Here, Adam, is, they're having a great time. He's created. But then in there, now we're going to look at that other voice. We're talking about the, the unwise, the foolish, the, the, the tricky, and the wise voice. And I'm just going to lay this out. Most of the time, the unwise or that, the strange woman, the one that wants to pull you aside, is seeking you. Wisdom is something you must seek after. See, Eve goes by the tree. Psst, want to buy a watch. You know, have, have, did God really say it? And the same thing in chapter 7 of Proverbs. That strange woman, the foolish woman, you say, come here, Johnny, boy, I've got you. And it's, there's something drawing there. And when you feel that, that should be a warning that says, wait a minute. That's not what I should, I should put that aside. Now, that's the weakness. And see, that's what we don't, that's what we're trying, that's what many times we're trying to hide. We're either hiding from God or hiding from one another by, by all these things. And God is saying, no, let that weakness be there. Like I said, wouldn't it be nice if we did have a close relationship? I mean, Hi, how you doing? Good to see you. Praise God. Wonderful glory. All those kind of wonderful things. But it's like when then we're together, well, then you hear Peter mouthing off. You hear John going to get his mother to you know, have Jesus. All these kind of funny things that we go, man, that couldn't be God. And he's saying, no, that is me working in your life. Come to embrace those. Don't be ashamed of those. things. Those are the things that I'm working through. All those mistakes and problems and the exposing of, of what's wrong in your life or even what's right in your life. And he's saying, come together in those things. And that's where the enemy works. doesn't have to work really too hard because the work of the flesh, you know what one of the great works of the flesh is? Let's hear. Some, let's have some response here. And this is interactive TV. Now that I got a big one. Okay. What is what is one of the works of the flesh? Somebody. Selfishness. We got one. Pride. That's a good one. Rebellion. Lust. Good. Keep going. This is fun. I don't have to preach. Division. Did you know that division is a work of the flesh? There's something in me that likes to divide. There's something in me that. And now, now you know what we can we can have a, we can have a we can have a parasitical badge that says I'm dividing for God. That'd be like the devil trying to tell the truth. It's not correct. And here, the God is saying that the body will be one, and I am working through all these strange things that you know nothing about. But grab hold of me. 
through all of these things, I want you to find me. I'm there in your midst. See beyond all these things. All these things are working in you to bring you to a place that says, oh, I see who God is. I'm not like him. This is what God's doing. And I begin to sacrifice my life in the natural, and I'm coming to know him spiritually. Okay? So now let's open our Bibles to the book of Proverbs. I think if we, if, we, if we fail to come to that kind of a relationship of the Scripture, then I think we miss these turbulences that come in our life, and we write them off as like, man, that's just a storm, or man, that's a devil, or I don't have to put up with... No. There is a reason that God now is forming these, or allowing these things into your life to form your opinion of Him more clearly. Now, but if we never get that, then most of the Scripture will have very little effect. You'd be like, yeah, I read that, but it just doesn't make any sense to me. I read that, but I don't know how to practice that. There's no, there's no practical way to do it. Well, there's a very practical way to do it, and that means presenting our bodies a living sacrifice. Now, if we present our bodies, did you know that our body is a physical item? As a matter of fact, it says, the body, if you have received Jesus Christ in Romans 8, it says, if you have received Jesus Christ, you know what happens? You know what the first thing it says? Your body is dead because of sin. Isn't that correct, Don? Don's our, Don's our in-house teacher. He makes sure everything I say is correct. So now, now since we got a very rousing amen on that, I have to repeat it. See, because we didn't want to hear that, did we? Because if you have received Jesus Christ, your body is dead because of sin. Now, that's a word from God. That should give us a good Hallelujah. Amen? Praise God. Not one of the, you know, not the refrigerator verse. So we have a mortal body. And it says, present this mortal body which has already been condemned to death. How many people here would like to serve God in the Spirit? Amen? You can't. You have to serve Him in the body, and you know that's what God's looking for? He says, present Romans. We like the book of Romans. Present your... Not your attitude. Attitudes come along with bodies. Feelings come along with bodies. You know, it's the old, it's the old uh, joke about how to tithe. You know, there was the three ministers, and one threw up the money, and one just, I just get them. So, you know, they just threw it up. It says, God takes what he wants, and I keep the rest. That's, you know, many times that's our attitude of serving God. Well, I'm serving God in the Spirit. It doesn't really matter what. No, I want that sheep. I want this. I want this. Now, do you think God needs your sheep? He actually says that. If I was hungry, I wouldn't tell you, talking to, to uh, Job. He owns the gold and cattle. He really doesn't care about the sheep. Does God really care about that? Well, no, he doesn't, but you do. And the only way he can have a relationship with you is to touch something that you care about. And mostly what we care about is me. That's why the Bible says, no man yet ever hated his own flesh. Love your wife as you love your... How many people need to be taught how to love yourself? It's not something we need to work on. However, have you noticed the world is really working on that? And now you have unlovable people. The more you teach about that, the more you can't... I mean, some people are just so spoiled, so rotten. You know what happens when you have rotten things? They stink, and nobody wants to be around them. But we have the life of Christ in us. We should be showing forth how to love somebody else. That is not a natural thing. That's going to cost you. That's going to be 
sand in your shorts is going to be something, man, I don't think I have... And then God wants to say, that's where I want you to be. Your mind needs to change, becoming a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, if that never takes place, then these books on wisdom and instruction never are able to find like a a prize spot, a, a, a... a climbing rocks, a little crack to get in there and take root. It's kind of like, oh yeah, yeah, but I, I'm not going to do that because no one's going to tell me what to do and I'm in it. No, I understand those things. See, in the end we fall back to hiding. We'll say, no, I, I, I know better than that. God, I'm not going to, you know, I'm, we're naked, we're going to hide ourselves. Well, no, I, no one's going to, no, and all those things have a factual basis. But we come back and say, this is what the Word of God says. Now, I must present my body, just as Jesus presented his what? His body. Not only upon the cross, which was the ultimate thing, but for some 30 years upon this earth, he was submitted to his parents, he was submitted to the will of God, he worked with men and disciples and people that ridiculed him, that they didn't understand. And he said, Father, he didn't need that irritation to have a better relationship with God. But in this world, he understood that was God's plan. And let us live as he lived. Let me show forth the glory of God. Now, the glory of God may not appear to you the same as it appears to him. See, most of the time, I get the glory of God and my own glory confused. And most of the time, you know what we're seeking after? Yeah. Thank you, hon. Our own glory. And that's the, the, uh, the Gospels talks a lot about that. They'd rather have the glory of men, the acceptance. And it's a tough one. It's a tough one not to want to be liked. How many people go around every morning wanting people to hate them? How many people want to bring the hard word to somebody? How many people have children and you want to beat them? You don't want to do that. None of that's any fun. But there's something greater. There should be a greater love for God than our own self. There should be a greater love for the glory of God than receiving the glory of men. Now that's going to work as we start to practice these principles and truths in the Word of God of presenting my body a living sacrifice, which becomes what? Our spiritual service. Now, chapter 8 of Proverbs. Again, chapter 7 dealt with that other... The temptation, like I said, there's gonna. I want to look at counsel today. Hopefully, there's a difference between temptation and counsel. Most of the time, wisdom, counsel, instruction—those are things that we need to seek after. That's why Jesus says, "Seek, and ye shall find." Knock. There's got to be a pressing in to the kingdom of God. There's a pressing in to the things of God. Sacrifice doesn't just sacrifice itself. Temptation usually will find you. Temptation will rise up in you and say, I think you should eat of that tree. You know what? I think you don't need to be a part of that church. You know what? I think my husband, my wife, and it, it starts. But wisdom is a, to attain wisdom is a sacrifice in itself. It has to be something that I press into. Now again, the human nature on spiritual matters tends to be lazy. So we naturally gravitate to the easiest way. Hiding. Sure, Eve, I'll eat that fruit. Whatever it would be. But it's the man of God and the woman of God that says, I've been taught some things. I feel like flying away today. 
you know, I do feel like, wouldn't it be nice to just go live in a cabin somewhere and not be dealing with anything and just have a good relationship with Jesus? But that's not God's heart. There's something that God wants to work in us through His Word and through the operation of the Holy Spirit and in His church. So there's got to be a real life that says, okay, these are things for me, even though I don't quite understand them. Even though there's like, man, I don't see that. But there's a sacrifice in the agreeing with them and the practicing of them. And if we don't practice them, we come to a place that we never see them. Okay, It's, it's through the doing of the Word, through doing, we get understanding. Now, many times people never come to understanding because they refuse to, like, do that. I said, man, I just don't see it. But once I start to practice that, I start to say, oh, I see that clearly now. I understand why that takes place. But it first has to be received. Remember in the, the Gospel of John, for as many as received him, gave he power to become the sons of God. Now, once we begin to receive, then later on, some several books later, those that are led by the Spirit of God are called the children of God. But in order to be actually led, there has to first be a receiving. And most of the time, we're not very good at receiving. Because one of the other... Well, let's, let's, let's read Proverbs here. Where did we leave off here? Chapter 8? I know that, but what verse? Not today, but last week. Oh! Okay. Nobody else is paying attention either. Okay, we'll have to just wing it. Um, let's start in verse 8. That's a good one. 8.8. Eight. All the words of my mouth, this is wisdom speaking, are righteous. There is none forward or perverse in them. They are all plain to him that understands and right to them that find knowledge. Receive my instruction and not silver, and knowledge rather than choice gold. Now, wisdom is making a point here, saying, this is actually more precious than... Now, what's temptation saying? Oh, I've got gold. I've got silver. My bed is really neat. Oh, my, I smell like cinnamon and perfume. Everything is good. There's a drawing to the natural for your glory. Now, wisdom may cost you something. Well, I, the silver and gold there, it says, this is more valuable. I choose that. But see, that is not a natural... That's something, again, I... Oh, wait a minute. This I don't really have to choose. I just fall into that. But wisdom is something... All right. I'll do that. Okay, there's a suffering and a sacrifice that takes place there. Now, I'm going to turn... No, we're not going to turn there. Receive my instruction rather than choice gold. For wisdom is better than rubies, and all things that may be desired are not to be compared to it. I, wisdom, dwell with prudence and find out the knowledge of witty invention. Now that word prudence, I don't know if we talked about this last week or not, comes to be like tricky or discernment, tricky in a good sense. It's almost like where Jesus would tell us, be wise as serpents. See, now serpent in the Bible has a bad connotation. I mean, even amongst us, how many people like snakes here? I mean, if you do, that's okay. I mean, I don't mind them as long as they're not rattlesnakes. They're kind of, yeah. Benjamin would like a snake. That should tell you something. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I like snakes too. Let's get back to the point. 
But most people, especially... Huh, have you noticed more women are a little more skittish of snakes? Might be hereditary. But... But snakes in the Bible have a bad connotation. Why would Jesus say, be wise, basically like the devil? Be ba- like the, ser- the serpent was more prudent or more subtle than all the beasts of the field. Well, sometimes we, and ben, we, we're not, uh, just touch on it here, but simplicity. We should not be dumb or dull people. See, sometimes think, oh, we're just naive. No, there's things that we ought to be wise about. See, you know, it's, there used to be a saying, they used to tell me all the time, and, and I remember this because I didn't know what the word bliss meant when I was younger. You know, someone would tell me, boy, ignorance is bliss. And I remember one time they said, well, what's bliss mean? You know, kind of like summed up his statement. But see, sometimes we just would like, oh, I just want to be like naive. The naive one gets taken. The naive one buys the Brooklyn Bridge three and four times. The naive one is waiting on a mountain for Jesus to come back when he's not. The naive one is not building the kingdom of God, but is dividing. The simple one, well, I want this, I want... Wait a minute. I like those things, but I'm not going to be simple or naive about that. I'm going to be wise as a serpent. I realize there's another voice out there, and there's a voice in me. See, the problem is the voice is in my... I have like... Is everybody familiar with the term a fifth column? It's like the traitor. The traitor army in you. We have sin in this mortal body which is dead. And it's always going about trying to sin. And I need to be aware of that. And then what's going to keep me from sin, the Bible says, what what should keep a a young man, well, how should a young man cleanse his ways? But by, by what? By taking heed. What does heed mean? Do it. Do it. Not just listen to it. And James, thousands of years later, would come and say, it's not the hearer of the word that's justified, but the doer. And if we don't do it, guess what comes in? Sin and deception. We actually deceive ourselves because we're very good talkers, but when it comes down to practically picking up our cross, nope, we become deceived. So we need to be people that work on not being deceived, but becoming disciples. What does disciple mean? Someone who does it. He's disciplined to practice those things. Let me just bum you out some more. It's not easy, nor is it pleasant. I have, a, I have a wonderfully pleasant message. I wish you all would have known me before I was saved. You probably wouldn't have trusted me today. You know, and, and sometimes you hear about these things, you know, God's nature is not my nature. You know, when I, when I first started to read the Bible, especially in the Old Testament, there's some things in there that made this peacenik look... I, I, I was really upset at God. And then I realized... And I, I don't want to offend anybody, and I don't want to be oversimplified or uh, disrespectful, but God is not a pacifist. It seems that he has no problem in doing what he needs to do to have his will fulfilled. Now, you know what? I had to come to some decisions about that. And I had to change my outlook on myself and on the world and on almost everything that I did, because almost everything that I did, God said, that stinks. I'm not like that. And I became very offended at him. You know, I was the, one, I was the, the third guy with the talent. I just hit it and said, here it is, give it back. And I thought, oh boy, now it's my turn. 
and I got rebuked. And many things like that, if you're going to find, just like Jonah. See, Jonah had to be rebuked by the Lord because he went his natural way. There was no sacrifice. And don't come to the place, because I've been waiting. I've been waiting. Don't come to the place to think you've attained to some relationship with God that you can maintain. You are not the maintainer. Who, do you remember who the maintainer is? Anybody remember? I am the vine, Jesus said. Who's the maintainer? The pruner. My father. He's going to come in. But we like to maintain our own life because now I've been walking with the Lord for so long, I should know some things. I know just enough to probably be deceived unless I actively, with you, with you, walk this out in some real way. Okay? So God's views are not our views, he's, but we are to actively press into making them ours. That comes to, like, discipline, practicing. and so, But the only way I can do that, see, there has to be an understanding. See, I'm not here to preach, boy, we all need to be good people. I think good people are some of the scariest people around because the Bible tells me they can't get saved. Nice people can't get saved. It's only the sick, the, the maimed, the, the weak, the, 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 the not too bright that can get saved. It's the sick who need a physician. So I'm not saying let's all be good. No, let's all get saved daily. Let's all come and say, you know what? I am weak today. You know what? Without God's grace today, I would be missing it. You know what? Thank God I don't have wings because today, now David could say it. You know what's neat? When David says it, we feel, oh, David, he was such a good man. When I say it, it's like, oh, what's wrong with that flake? When is he going to grow up? I'm 57 years old. I'm still waiting to grow up. I find that I'm, you know, and then you notice it's kind of like a curve. When you're a baby, you're a baby. You don't grow up. You're kind of like doing all kinds of weird things. Then for some reason, you feel like you need to mature. Then when you're about 40, 45 or so, you realize, wow, you finally matured. After maturing comes rotting. Okay? But then there's like coming back to like, and then you kind of like see older people, and I can start saying that now, because they start acting a little more childish. See, I, I don't know what that all means exactly, but I'm, 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 there's something about becoming a little child and saying, you know what? We just need to walk every day with the Lord in that, in that way. Not like, we've attained some things here and we've got some things down. don't have anything down other than I know God, I need God's grace more than I do today. And what's going to keep me there is practicing this word. But like I said, there needs to be an understanding that, see, I would not, why would I want to practice this word? See, I was talking to some people the other day and I said, see, when me and Christy, we were very young when we got married. I was 19. She was older. <laughs> She's actually 11 months older than me. Yeah, those are very important months. We have nothing in common. Now, today I can't say that. Today I can't say that. It's unbelievably scary, for the most part, uh, how much alike we are. We'll be in different parts of the, sometimes in the, in, not in the state, but in the city and going here and there. She'll come home and say, you know what I felt like doing that? I said, that's what I was going to do. She said, well, I said, that's what I was going to do. And most of the time, sometimes she'll say, that was a dumb thing. You shouldn't have done that. But sometimes more and more, it's like, you know what? I, I think, she says, and, some, and actually what's really wonderful, sometimes I'll, she said, I do something. She says, that's a good thing. I wanted to do the same thing. So there's a like, now that doesn't, see, we didn't fill out the form of the 12 areas of compatibility when we got married. If you have 12 when you got started, you'll end up with two. Okay? That's not what brings us together. What has kept us for, for 38 years 
is not our wonderful personalities. We're easygoing people. I'm embarrassed of ourselves sometimes. You know, I, I, I like, you know, I, I see easygoing people. And you know what's really bad? I used to be the snail of easygoing people. I, you couldn't, you could almost literally set a fire under me. You could smack me. You could do anything you want. I, just easygoing, do whatever you like. And now, you know, I, 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 sometimes I can't even get to sleep. I'm so uneasygoing. But it's not like, oh, wow, what keeps... Well, I talked with some people. I said, the only, the only reason we are together is because when we got married, we didn't know anything else other than God's purpose. And we didn't even know that. But we knew that we were called, and whatever we did, marriage, single, in the church, whatever it would be, is that God's will would be done in our life. And there was times, and there are times, it seems like, man, that just doesn't seem possible. Raised this way, and she sees things that way, and I don't like it, and she doesn't like it. I mean, even going to buy a car. Man, you guys, you know, you bought me that wonderful TV. And all I can think of is, man, what am I going to do with that monstrosity? But you know, we're going to buy a car. Now, you know, nowadays you can get cars with heated seats, satellite radios. They've got every touch pad that you can do. They've got memory seats. See, now, the only reason I know this is because I have an Eve. Okay? So when we went to buy a car, my wife wants memory seats. Now, that's a stupid idea. She wants heated seats. That's another stupid idea. She wants this, and she wants that, and she wants that. Now, I don't really care. I want a car that gets good gas mileage, first and foremost, above everything. But I found out pretty much that you have to, buy, you have to spend just as much for an economic car as you can get one with all the whistles. So we got one with all the whistles. <laughs> but that's what I'm saying. It's like, man, sometimes I get mad at her. It's like, when are you going to learn? You know? Well, she's not going to learn just like I'm not going to learn. Uh, the things that's going to keep us together is, okay, we're going to serve God together, and we're going to put everything else aside and form, bring, come back to when everything's all said and done. We're going to give ourselves to God's purpose. That needs to be the bedrock of everything that you do, even when I get to this point. Because if not, that's going to sound ridiculous. It's going to sound foolish. It's going to sound something you shouldn't do. It needs to be that you need to set your heart and your mind that says, God has called me. And I, I believe it actually needs to come to God has called me here. There needs to be, see, God didn't call me to get married. God called me to get married to her. See, I am her husband. Now, if she's just looking for... I can't say Arnold Schwarzenegger anymore. <laughs> if she's just looking for... I'm not it. She's not it. If you're looking for the perfect church, this isn't it. But if you're looking for God's will, you may have found it but it's going to come in a shape that you maybe didn't think of it. Because when we saw Jesus, what did we think of him? That couldn't be God. I didn't want to hear the gospel. That's impossible. The guy is this. The church is that. But when the Holy Spirit then speaks to me, then everything else must stop. And all my excuses, no matter how valid they will seem, and there's going to be a ton of them, I'm going to say, just like, you have the words of eternal life. I'll go on. It needs to come to that point. And it's going to cost real. It's only going to cost real stuff if we consider that this world is real. See, we always say, oh, it's not, no, this world is passing away. Till I actually have to, like, 
do something, what we would say, real, then the stuff comes very valuable. But God says, this is all unrighteous mammon. It's all passing away with the using. This is what I'm going to use to set you free from this world. Just like I'm not of the world, Jesus said, you should not be of the world. Our intention, our motivation, our purpose should not be driven from our appetites or our self, but it should come, life must come from outside and drive me on. And the pruner is going to prune all these things that continually come up after 10, 20, 50, 60, 70 years. You're going to, got to be pruned, got to be pruned, got to be pruned. And you think at some point, and you're going to sometimes get discouraged. Man, you think I'd learn by now. No, you're never going to learn. Because God is so much higher than you that you need to stay tied into Him. Okay. So the purpose of God needs to become very real in our life as something that ha- can be can be, and must be walked out in some real, tangible way. And especially in the book of Matthew. And Jesus would do something and it said, Jesus did this because it was written. He fulfilled it in a tangible way with his body. If he did not, it would have been written off. Could not have been the Messiah. Because at that time, there was all kinds of messiahs and prophets coming up trying to do this and trying to do that. And he said, he did this because this happened. This was written and he did this. These things are written then. You know what? I should be able to work them out. Say, okay, that's written. I'm going to do that. Uh, We're going to just read down to 14. I will dwell with prudence and find out knowledge of witty inventions. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil. Now, there's some things that we need to hate in our lives. Pride. Now, Oswald Chambers, I think he said it maybe today or yesterday, said pride is like the deification of ourself. Again, I think I know something on him. Nope. Put that aside. We need to hate evil. So I need to hate pride, arrogance, the evil way, and the forward mouth. Now remember who had the forward mouth in the chapter before? Temptation. The subtle serpent. Well, let me tell you about this, and let me tell you about that, and you don't have to put up with it. No, I want to hear wisdom. Wisdom is something I have to incline my ear to hear. I have to turn up the volume on that. Verse 14. Counsel is mine and sound wisdom. I am understanding and I have strength. Now I want to start on that next week because counsel. See, that's counsel is something... I can do, or I can attain to, or I can choose not to, and I can become proud. See, now again, in this wonderful age of technology, I mean, we're able to communicate, but our lack of communication amongst one another as far as direction of God is unbelievable. And I believe we are to seek, seek the Lord and say, okay, counsel is mine, and sound wisdom. Now, how do I attain unto wisdom? Well, it's going to talk about counsel. See, counsel. Oh, let me. How, how do I do that? And I'm just going to read 33 because I don't want to get off track next week. Hear instruction and be wise and refuse it not. There comes a place to where I choose to bow my ear to instruction and counsel that my life would be changed. Now, I'm going to, I'll just close with this because I was thinking of it. Hopefully it will fit in. Many times we, the Bible talks about tasting our words or thinking when we're speaking. I find that we're many, many times we're so comfortable with our language, if you would, that we speak without really communicating. 
Now, when we lived in Turkey, we all spoke a foreign language with one another. It was Turkish. They didn't know Turkish. We didn't know Turkish. But our communication was Turkish. And almost all the time when we were communicating, it was very, we were all trying to make sure the other person understood what we were saying because we weren't sure if we were saying it correctly. There was an object that, are you understanding me? And they would, re- now it wasn't conscious like we would do, but there was like, and if, I, and if someone didn't understand me, you know what my first thought was, especially if you're talking on the phone? I made a mistake. Not, oh, you're dumb. Maybe my, tele- my, my accent wasn't correct or something. But see here, we think if someone doesn't understand, oh, they're dumb. Maybe we're not communicating because we think we can communicate so well. But many times we're not really communicating. We need to think, because we're living in, a, in another kingdom. We need to communicate like, now, did you understand what I say? Okay, now tell me that back. Okay, now that's, that's exactly what I meant. Because sometimes slangs and different things have different meanings to different people. But I, I kind of miss having, now I know this sounds funny, thinking about what I'm going to say. You know, it would be like, okay, do that. And I think that's the way we need to start hearing wisdom and hearing one another. Because sometimes, oh, well, I know that. I know that. needs to be, wait a minute. God's speaking to me. Kind of a little, it's, maybe it's not just a little bit irritating. Maybe it's really annoying. Saying, well, no, I'm going to put that, I'm going to put that into practice. And I think that now we're going to start on that. And again, make that the foundation that God's purpose is what your purpose is. And then I'm going to start to lead my life, incline my ear to wisdom. And God is going to speak to us on how to attain wisdom and how then I can sacrifice, give my body a living sacrifice. Amen? Amen. Amen. Okay. Thank you, Lord. Just ask your blessing on these words that they would bring glory to your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.